I'll tell you what, I gave up on love and happiness a long time ago. Why? I, I don't care to explain that. Let, let, the, let the quote stand for itself. People, people in this day and age are brainwashed and programmed like a computer at being nothing more than puppets. This nation, this country is founded in violence. Violent delights tend to have violent ends. It's Madness is something rare in individuals, but in groups, people, and ages, it is a rule. Killing is killing, whether done for duty, profit, or fun. Men murdered themselves into this democracy. You're, you're good at reading your script, Richard, but you're not much at answering my direct questions. A lot was made that you're a devil worshiper. Do you worship the devil? Have you ever studied Satanism? There are different sects of Satanism. Have you studied, just yes or no, have you studied yes, Satanism? Yes, I have. Are you, are you a worshiper of the devil? No comment. Come on, Richard. We're I can tell you a little bit about Satanism. Well, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what you got to say then. It is undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. It is power, power without charity. A Satanist admits to being evil. Do you admit to being evil, Richard? We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? I'm asking you the questions, my friend. <laughs> yes, I am evil. presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the wide A study on everybody welcome to episode 194 of the art jacob to america podcast i'm your host in the place to be mr jacob p and sitting right across from me is the very beautiful brown recluse mr archero art say hello to the millions and millions what's up you sick son of a bitches uh, i hope you guys are doing well my name is art you are you this is the art and jacob do america podcast this is where we insert some applause sounds guys we cannot do this podcast without the help of caveman coffee guys go to cavemancoffee.com check out their entire inventory of coffees they got the hibiscus tea that's my personal favorite i always give a shout out to the hibiscus tea because it is the shit um they also have hoodies they got hats i'm actually on their website right now i'm checking it all out right now um, but yeah, I mean, they got all kinds of, they got mugs. Of course, you got to have a mug to drink your coffee. Um, the cacao butter, if you want to add some cacao butter to your coffee, just to add that extra kick, it's all there, guys. There's no excuses. Type in America to receive 15% off. 
And uh, while you're there and you have your product, take a picture of yourself drinking the coffee, wearing the hat, wearing the spandex shorts or whatever that you buy. It the while Zumba you're there. pants. Zumba pants. Um, the jeggings. The Lululemons. Uh, the Lululemons. I don't know what that is. Was that something for your balls or something? No. Oh, they're like leggings that like give you like more lift in the butt area. Oh, okay. There you go. Get one of those. <laughs> they have face masks, which yeah. are pretty cool. They kind of look like Roshak from Watchmen masks. Um, I have to pick one of those up. But, guys, go to check it. Uh, go to capemancoffee.com. Check it all out. Type in America to receive the 15% off. Uh, get in, uh, take a picture of yourself wearing that face mask, wearing the shirt, drinking the coffee. Tag us. Tag them. We appreciate it. They appreciate it. Cool. And speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor, guys. The great, the powerful, the flavorful. El Yucateco Hot Sauce, guys. The kings of flavor since 1968. That is 50 plus years of Flavor Town, guys. So, in my opinion, this is the best hot sauce you can buy. I guarantee it, just like the men's warehouse. And it is pretty much available wherever food is sold. But if you cannot find El Yucateco Hot Sauce or you just don't want to, like, you know, risk it, you know, get, you know, the the vid, like Kevin Hart would say, um, just go to shopelucateco.com. You can buy yourself any one of their, you know, seven flavors. I got two flavors right here in front of me, the red and the black. I did that for a reason. Uh, but if you, you know, you want to buy, you know, the Chipotle, you want to buy the green, you want to buy the triple X, you want to buy the Caribbean, you want to buy the jalapeno. You can't handle the hot, so you want to get something a little bit more mild. Get the jalapeno. And, you know, make sure you go to shopelucateco.com, enter promo code DOAMERICA, and we'll give you 10% off, guys. And just like Caveman Coffee, they got shirts. They got hats. They do not have Lululemon leggings. I apologize for that. But if you guys demand it enough, you know, maybe they'll put that on there. But enter Do America at checkout, and you'll save yourself 10% off. And just make sure you tag yourself, tag us, tag El Yucateco to show that you are enjoying their product. And every little bit helps us, too. So with that said, Art, before we jump in the topic do you want to go ahead and introduce our special guest this week? Sure, guys. Back by popular demand. Would you like to introduce yourself? I always feel weird introducing guests or whatever because, like, forgot who it was. I, like, hyped them up, and then they were like, I don't know about all that. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> guys, for the second time around, you know her from the from the uh, Selena. Selena episode. Selena episode. Yudira is back. Oh my gosh, my dream has always been to be introduced with something Selena related. So thank you, you very much. That's amazing. I will take that. I'm not going to fight you. There you Hi go. guys, thanks for having me back. Yadira Guerrero, also known as Chris's wife. <laughs> the great and powerful Chris's <laughs> wife. Um, just speaking of that Selena episode, like, you know, yeah, we've introduced like, you know, former band members of like Nine Inch Nails, RX Bandits and things like that. But, you know, and we always get good, you know, feedback, you know, on those people. But, like, for somebody that was, like, you know, not, like, a fucking, you know, you know, former rock star or whatever, like, you probably had, like, the best feedback of, like, all time. So, like, we had to have you back on. Um, I know we talked on that Patreon episode about, you know, some true crime stuff or whatever. So, I was like, hey, what better person to have back on than, you know, Yadera for the Night Stalker episode? Thank you. It's the childhood trauma I connect with you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we had some good conversations around that, so I'm excited to, to jump in today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, this episode kind of comes on the heels of, like, the Netflix documentary, you know, The Night Stalker. And, you know, I just felt like it was right to, like, kind of revisit this topic. 
Um, we kind of touched on it. Art and I were talking about it last week, how like, yeah, yeah. we already covered Richard Ramirez. Like in episode 17. That was like seven or like eight or something like really early on, like in our, you know, our path of podcasting or whatever. Right. And it was like, I went back and listened to it and it was like, it was very janky. Uh, but like, it was just more or less just us talking about serial killers in general. And so like, I was like, you know what? I mean, in my opinion, not to sound like a, like a, like a, like a groupie or whatever, but like, I feel like, okay, Richard Ramirez, like, I don't want to say like, oh my God, like he's like my favorite serial killer. Like I just enjoyed like how he gouged out that one lady's eyes and like kept him like in a jewelry. I don't want to sound like that person. Like that's my favorite serial killer. But I feel like out of all, when it comes to like the genre of serial killers, like I feel like Richard Ramirez is like the one that like interests me the most. So I kind of want to just like have like, just like that signature episode. It's like, we just, that's just who we cover for the episode. So I think a lot of people feel that way. I think that's why the Netflix episode was created. That's why he had groupies. There are certain ones that were like more popular, mm-hmm. you know, and so, um, and I think that they allude to those serial killers within that Netflix documentary as well. Correct, and, and that's a good place to start right there. Is just, you know, you mentioned it like this is one of your favorite serial killers, and like the fascination with serial killers as a whole, like as a cultural thing, like it, it is a very like real thing. Like if you go to the Museum of Death, we were talking about museums earlier. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Museum of Death. But you can buy like paraphernalia to like these serial killers or like fa- like famous murders and that whole thing and like mm-hmm. um it it I've I've always found it really interesting and I've I've mentioned it for, like to you guys several times like my favorite and I wouldn't say serial killer but I guess like my fascination with like the Zodiac killer is the fact that he's he wasn't caught I'm more fascinated by his murders and his actions and like the whole like the whole thing as opposed to it is with the man. Like, I love the fact that there is no man behind it. There, there is just like, well, it's Ted Cruz, the, the murders. It could be Ted, <laughs> Ted Cruz doesn't have the balls to, to do that. <laughs> well, we know that now. The, funny thing. Well, we put a little pin on Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz showed up to the inauguration with a thing that said like, come and take it. And it was like a gun on his face or something like that. Or like a, something like that. It's a, it was something like he was trying to show like toughness or something like that in the face of like Democrats taking the white house or something. Anyways, the funny thing about it is like, oh, I'm part of this NRA group, by the way. That's where I saw this. Oh, okay. So on the NRA group, I wrote, isn't it funny how he's he's willing to protect our gun rights, but not willing to like defend his wife against Trump? <laughs> I got so much hate. I got kicked out of the NRA group. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh, but there is a fascination. I think the one of the things that the... the the Netflix documentary like points out is that they were not trying to paint him in a, in a favorable light. Mm -hmm. It's rare that you see a documentary or listen to a podcast or anything like that, that they actually mention like his like pedophilia and his molesting children and all these like dark elements that are just, that's what shocked me watching that because you, I mean, you know, I mean in general about like, yeah, he was a serial killer. He broke into people's houses and he murdered people and he raped people or whatever. Right. And it's kind of like we've, as a society, become very jaded to that. It wasn't until, like, you know, I actually watched this documentary because I had watched, like, quite a few, you know, YouTube documentaries or whatever on it. And they never bring that up. It's not until this documentary where you actually get the victim's voice where, you know, they go into great detail of what he did with that child. And you're like, holy shit, this motherfucker was the the worst scum of the earth you know like it's just like I talk to my parents and they were like this uh, so another generation's perspective right mm-hmm. my dad was like we're talking about it and i'm like hey, i'm gonna do this podcast and so i want to check in with you did you watch it and he was like yeah mom and i watched and 
he was like, there were so many things that we didn't hear about at that time. I mean, we were born in 1985-ish. So this yeah. was all going on when we were born. And, you know, I think they lived in Bakersfield at the time. My mom just came from Juarez and like just came from Juarez. Mm-hmm. And my dad's from El Paso. Yeah. So they were especially like, what the heck? But my dad didn't know he was from El Paso. He's like, they didn't say that. They didn't talk about the kids. Um, he was like, and we see this, like we just figured, okay, case solved, move on with your life, right? Their generation. And he watches this Netflix documentary. I mean, growing up in the Juarez area, you know, it's not like they're, they're not used to a lot of deaths out of nowhere, sudden deaths. But he was like, I would, we would have remembered that it would have taken it to a whole other level for us. Yeah. And so this horror kind of came back to them. Mm. Like he was like, I didn't know all of that. Like we already know he knew he was sick, but yeah, like you said, I think now you're going to see a wave of like Selena, right? And I hate comparing this, but I mean like how she may not have been famous in the U S and then she passed away and now she's super famous. I feel like we might see a wave, unfortunately, yeah. of like fans of of Richard Ramirez maybe now because of this documentary. Yeah. Which, I mean, when you look at like, because I personally really dug the format of the documentary because I think the guy that was creating the documentary, he's like, it's so easy to like, he, Richard Ramirez was a very like charismatic individual. You know, you see him in court and whatnot. I mean, he looks just like Tommy Lee. Like you can't help like when he's in court, like think like, oh, wow, did he drum for fucking Motley Crue? So like you can see like the fascination with that, you know, like, but like he wanted to avoid that where it's like, oh my God, I'm going to create another you know, wave of, you know, fandom for this guy when he was like truly like a really sick individual, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, you don't like art mentioned this on the Patreon episode last week where we were talking about that documentary. Like you don't even get introduced. You don't even hear his name or see his face until the very last episode, which is kind of like a horror movie technique. Like, you know, where it's just like, you get like the buildup to like, you know, finding him that mystery, that mystique of like, who was this, you know? And they put you in the shoes of the two detectives, you know, Frank Solero and Gil Carrillo. And you're just like, Oh my God, like you're on pins and needles. Like you already know going into it, like, okay, yeah, it's Richard Ramirez and this guy, but like that whole like journey that they, we were talking about on this week's Patreon, you know, going to museums and being guided through, you know, exhibits and whatnot, that telling of a story. Mm -hmm. Like, I really think it did a good job of like creating that fear where it's just like, you know, Gil Carrillo, you know, the junior detective, he like his wife was like, I'm like low key going to leave you because this is getting scary. Like you're, you're on the hills of like the scariest guy, like in Southern California right now, I'm going to go with live with my parents, take the kids or whatever, because like, I don't want him breaking into our house and doing the same thing to us because you're, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like child survivor too. She, she had a voice. Everyone else had a voice before mm-hmm. they brought in the voice. I, I totally agree. They did a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, there's obviously like more of a demand now for knowing more. There's like this fascination with serial killers, like before, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't tell anybody. Well, my mom, my mom actually really is into like this whole thing, but it was like very hush hush. Uh-huh. My dad always thought it was weird. And now it's like, my dad's like, oh, all the stuff you like's all over like Prime, you know, and Netflix <laughs> yeah. and it's normal to be you. But I think that we just now are, I don't know, I think more honest with, you know, with the internet and everything, just Mm -hmm. there's so much information out there that it's like. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is the taboo of wanting to know more about these things without 
being like the weirdo kid that sits in the back of class like drawing monsters or whatever like <laughs> there there that was the association with it and one one of the things that I you know now that we're on the documentary thing and like we're talking about like the taboo parts of it one of the things that does kind of bother me and I did listen to the I think it was it Frank is one of the detectives the Mexican guy uh, Frank's the Italian guy. The oh, what's year. the Mexican guy's name? Gil. 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 So I listened to a podcast with Gil, basically being interviewed about him, and um, he he ends the uh, the whole interview by saying like, like basically like fuck this guy. Like I didn't want like there should be no like glamour to anything he did. The only people that glamorize it are like the satanic worshippers that that like follow him, mm-hmm. and like fuck those guys. And like, although I agree, I do think that there. That whole thing is like one of the things that like really paints me like kind of upsets me that it's like we still have this taboo that like the bad guy is always the obvious like satanic guy when it's like we had Ted Bundy, we had BTK, we had all these dudes that were like choir boys, like basically like the monster in like sheep's clothes and like we welcome them into our home, we accept them, they look, they're the handsome guy that you would want your daughter to marry. I think that's actually how they described Ted Bundy at one point. Mm-hmm. Like the guy you would want your daughter to marry. To me, that's always been the more terrifying like monster, the one we accept into our homes. To me, Richard Ramirez, like he he embodied like everything that should be obvious, like and like he knew it. Like he was the dude wearing the ACDC trucker hat, mm-hmm. the like the fucking rotten teeth, didn't shower, like smelled like shit. People complained the woman that like survived like one of the murders, the, the one that was raped by him, mm-hmm. she said like it was almost as bad like dealing with his smell, like she couldn't get the stench of him off of her. Yeah, and like to me, it's like yeah, that's the that's the dude that like everyone locks their doors when they see him. Like when you're when you're at like when you're in a shady area, like you fucking like maybe like clinch your fist because you might have to throw a punch at him. Like that's the obvious monster in the room. Like, to me, it's like, yeah, there's always going to be, like, the mentally depraved person. Not necessarily the satanic person, but, like, the mentally depraved person that, like, fantasizes that or, like, romanticizes, like, these monsters. And this all happened during, like, the satanic panic. Like, this is, like, the prime years. 85 is, like, the prime years of, like, that satanic panic. And, like, looking at, like, Richard Ramirez, like, throughout the years, it's kind of, like, is he living the gimmick or is he truly, was he truly like obsessed with Satan? And I kind of like ping pong that idea or whatever, because it was very much like in vogue, like to be like, to dabble like in Satanism. Like uh, one of my favorite books of all time is called the dirt by, you know, the, the autobiography of Motley Crue. It's a fun read. And then like Nikki six, like he talks about like, yeah, in LA during like the early to mid eighties, like that was a big thing. Like people, you know, reading like the satanic Bible and all this shit. And he talks about like all this like paranormal shit that would like happen, like in him and Lita Ford's like apartment and shit. And like, you know, when he started to see like forks levitate and shit, obviously he said he put it away or whatever, but like, it was pretty much like in vogue. So it was kind of like, it's hard to like say that like, okay, like he was a true Satanist quote unquote air quotes or whatever. But at the same time, like, you would hear like stories of like him getting pulled over by police and like him drawing like the, you know, the pentagram, like, you know, on his car for like protection or whatever. And it's like, okay, maybe he halfway believed it. And then too, like you look at like, why was he so attracted to like, like say quote unquote Satanism or whatever. And it's like, you look like at his childhood where like his father who was from Juarez, you know, who got fired police officer, police officer in Juarez, crazy stuff, did some crazy stuff. I'm sure. 
correct. And like he actually, his father actually gets fired in Juarez as a police officer. Like how crazy do you got to be, you know, to get fired right. for what that? Like, so what did he do? What did he get caught doing? Correct. And how many years into doing what he did? Fill in the blanks, right? My parents are from there. And yeah, especially around that time. And you hear the stories about him, his dad, like tying him to a cross, like in a cemetery. Like, mm-hmm. so you kind of feel like this is where I feel like, you know, those girls that those groupies for him, like they start to feel this compassion, like, oh, he was betrayed, like, you know, by religion or whatever. Because I'm just going to ex- assume that like his family was like probably lightly practicing Catholics or whatever. So he probably felt betrayed by that. And that's like probably like why he went the other direction, like with his quote unquote Satanism. Yeah, but I don't want to. What I'm trying to say is like, I don't want to pin it on like Satanism is what drove him to murder. No, I, think I don't that, either. Yeah. I think that there's underlining like mental issues that he had. Like there was a thing about the swing hitting him in the head. He had the a dresser. dresser that fell on his head. Like the that's the part to me that needs to be addressed more than like the fact that people bring up Satanism. Like there's been more like. Christian killers out there like Ted Bundy and BTK, like all of these dudes. Or are, we, are, we, are we not blaming like BTK's murders on Christianity or Ted Bundy's murders on Christianity? Like they were fucking choir boys. Like mm. that's what I'm pointing at. Like there's so many more Christian murderers than there are satanic murders. Yet we harp on the fact that this dude was like a satanic practicing dude. Mm. What I'm trying to say is that we need to look at the underlining thing that a lot of these dudes have is like the narcissism. Like the the part that like drove him to like these things, like the the fact that he had kind of this god complex. Correct. Like that's more of a mental illness part of part of this whole thing. Where it's like we need to like become better at as a society of being able to identify these these issues and not just like being entranced by the fucking Ted Bundys of the world. And not only that, like okay, one of the you br- you bring up you know the you know childhood trauma. Like he has the physical trauma with like the dresser falling on his head. You know. You know, and it devolves into like having, you know, epileptic seizures, you know, in his childhood, you know, he gets commiserates with like an uncle, Miguel, who, you know, is a Green Beret, like not your run of the mill fucking, you know, army soldier or whatever. Like we're talking like, you know, an elite soldier where, you know, like he's going to do a lot of like, you know, black ops shit like this, like going to get brushed under the rug and, you know, having people, you know, who went you know overseas and fought or whatever and telling stories similar to like what his uncle would do about you know you know raping people like in villages you know decapitating them and doing all sorts of like mutilative things or whatever like you know having family members like you know backing that those stories up or like yeah that happened like with some crazy people they were sending crazy people over there to vietnam and shit. well not just sending pe- people that were crazy over there but, but the giving up car blanche to do that yeah but but not about that but just like we send people over there. We send fucking teenagers over there mm-hmm. that have never really experienced the world. And now we're sending them and giving a fucking machine gun to do whatever they want. And then, you know, we never address like PTSD. Another Correct. whole thing that like these soldiers are coming back. If you watch that movie, um, dead presidents, like the dude yep. comes back with PTSD. They become more like aggressive and violent after like their experiences with experiencing death and violence for like the last year, year and a half of their life, two years, three years of their life. And then now we expect them to come back and be like Sybil and be like the regular like Joe next door where the reality is like we don't, we, we, there's no possible way. Again, like the they whole just like, use, they just get used and abused and then like thrown back into society. Well, here's the thing though, is if we don't blame it on Satanism and say, Whoo, I'm okay with that. Lock him up. Problem solved. Then we have to accept as a society and, 
and I'm sorry, like, I think a lot of a lot of people are starting to see this and you see a, a big movement toward it. But we have to admit that we failed members of society by, first of all, identifying these mental health issues early. Like there could have been a genetic predisposition that he had if his dad was doing something, you know, crazy. Um, you never know what kids kids are listening when we don't know it. Maybe dad was saying things he was doing on the job. And mm -hmm. this is all assuming that his father did horrible things. But again. There seems yeah. to be some evidence there. Well, we know his cousin definitely did horrible yeah. things. Like, his cousin yeah, eventually shoots. Pictures. Yeah. Yeah, decapitated, like, like, people, and then, like, him, like, raping corpses and shit like that. And, and then, like, teaching. you think beating him up? And maybe, was it cousin or uncle? I, I think it was his uncle. Right? I don't know. Anyway, if he's defending, if he defends me once from dad beating me up, he's my hero now. Yeah. And that might never change. That could be, like, I have a genetic predisposition, and that's my trick my trigger that makes me go down that path forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so that, pictures that, and everything, that's just more, that's more evidence that he was a hero to him probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it normalizes of at, at this point, it's like he's 10, he's 10 years old. And like, you know, I know that we're probably like of the age where like internet was becoming faster <laughs> at our age <laughs> where it was like maybe still dial up. I don't think we were, we were probably more like the Jerry Springer generation where it was like shitty things on TV were like infiltrating our, our mind. But now we have like the generation that's maybe like 10 years younger than us, right? That grew up on like super aggressive, crazy shit, like dark web type of things uh -huh. that like, I, I do think that this like second wave of like, especially right now, like the kids that are like graduating high school right now, like this generation that's coming up right now, I do think like in a year or two, we're probably gonna have like more mass, as soon as the pandemic, like the pandemic has probably saved us from so many mass shootings. Yeah. But like, it's, it's like right now, a serial killer like that, I feel like that's almost too slow of a pace for like kids right now. Like kids want ultra violence right now where it's like, I wanna fucking blow shit up. I wanna shoot up a school and like have a higher body count than this. Like that's where we famous. are. You'll be famous in an hour because of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And then and like, all of your dreams will come true. Yeah. We do need to, like you said it best, like we do need to I'd be able to identify these things and like find the things that are like the causation correlation type of thing and not just blame it on like Satan, Satan was a, was a reason he listened to ACDC. I feel like that was like just the cherry on top. And again, like I mentioned, it was like during the satanic panic. So it was a convenient, it was a convenient outlet for that. Like, and he gave, he gave it, he gave it to them, you know? And, but like, what I'm saying is like, you know, his whole childhood, like he, yeah, you, yeah. You, like society, like I watched this really good documentary about, you know, the crack epidemic, you know, Reagan, this is during the Reagan years where it's just like Reagan and, you know, Nancy Reagan, they had this like war on drugs all the while, like they're turning a blind eye to like what was going on in Nicaragua, which was allowing all the cocaine and shit to come into the country that created the, you know, crack epidemic all because, you know, they wanted to fight communism or whatever, like in Nicaragua and shit. And the same thing, too, is just like, well, we want to go fight communism in like this little podunk country in Vietnam. And what it's doing, it's, you know, corrupting people, sending people back into society. Uncle Miguel's over here, like, you know, showing what he did over there, which is corrupting, you know, another young mind, you know. And then on top of that, you know, 
he goes to another uncle's house. Um, his sister's uh, husband's like a peeping Tom or whatever. So he's learning like all these like, you know, Green Beret, you know, killing tactics from his uncle Miguel. And then, you know, goes and lives with his sister. And then her husband teaches him like how to be like a stealth peeping Tom. So and this is like at the age of 13, I want to say. So he's like getting all these like weird Which are the like foundations of your sexual formation. Correct. Right? So you got all these things like melting together, like in your most formidable years. And it's like four like what it's gonna be for like pretty much the rest of your life and then oh yeah on top of that you have physical mental trauma too because i think they they said there was something like with his frontal lobe that was just like so damaged that like it was like creating like a lot of like these like mental distortions as well well there's a lot more money to be made by treating rather than preventing mm -hmm. so i think all these issues that you're talking about with you know the drug problem like here we're putting a band-aid on it but we already know this is going on over here, which is actually causing everything. But you make more money by treating, not by preventing. Correct. I mean, that's, that's sad. That sounds harsh, but I mean, it is true. Yeah. And then you get like a, you know, a person like that, like Richard or whatever. Like you got to like, this is a world before like, you know, like everybody having health care and whatnot. Right. Well, we still don't have that. But like you look at like, oh, he was very much like a drug addict, right? Like he starts smoking weed at the age of 10. A lot of people who suffer from epilepsy, they are drawn to, you know, you know, marijuana because, you know, there, there is like some, you know, you know, therapeutic, you know, advantages to that. He moves on to, you know, like when he's hanging out with that second uncle, you know, moving on to like LSD and like all these other like acid drugs and whatnot. And then you look at that one picture of him, like that really scary picture of him, like where like his teeth are all fucked up and jagged or whatever. You got to think like he probably graduated to like crack and shit like that. You know, this yeah, is very much during the crack oh, yeah. epidemic time and shit. Like, don't tell me that was like from a Mr. Good bar and shit. Like, that, like he's only 25 years old when he gets arrested. Yeah. The fact that his like body itself is like that decayed already. Mm -hmm. Like his teeth are already that of like a 60 year old man. It's like, yeah, that's crack cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like seriously further proof. Like, you know, I, I know I grew up hearing this with a Latina mom who grew up in Juarez, like, well, you <laughs> know, pot is the gateway drug. Um, but like childhood trauma is the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. You know, those early, I mean, who, um, just just the things that we know are terrible, but like those, those things can trigger like, and I won't get too deep into it. Like I, the reason I'm so obsessed with serial killers, I grew up with an abuser in the home and he was a psychopath. And he was with us for, you know, too long. Then when he moved on, it's like, I just, I needed to know why. Why did he do this? Like, why? For mm -hmm. me, it triggered me to go the other way, which was understanding people and studying psychology and culture. And, you know, for me, it was like, and then now knowing, you know, serial killers, like knowing why they think that way. But for some people, it just, you know, it just triggers that, like, Maybe maybe the drugs didn't work anymore for him, and mm -hmm. he figured along the way that was hurting people was the only way to like ease the pain for him, his suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many what ifs. Because you look at like his like murder trail and whatnot, like you would see some like you know attacks like that would happen like within the same night. So like some people like there was like one uh, girl like that 16 year old girl like he just bludgeoned to death like with. Uh, or not even to death, like almost to death, you know, with the tire iron, you know, that's about as far as he got, but then he moves on like within the same night 
and moves on to somebody else that like he like brutally kills. I believe like he like smashes the head, you know, with his like avia aerobic shoe or whatever, like just by stomping her to death. But like you would see that a lot, like where it was just like you can tell like he was trying to get some kind of gratification from that, like both sexual and mental. I do think a lot of it was sexual. Like this, mm-hmm. one of those things that's like, you know, it's you could tell like he wasn't all there whenever someone starts getting like sexually aroused by like violence itself. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the traditional like sexual arousement, but maybe it goes back to that whole like his uncle showing him these pictures and maybe his uncle like like fantasizing and sexualizing these images. Maybe these are the women that he raped and also like murdered. And like that's that was like goes hand in hand. Like you, you, you we, it's so weird like the way like the mind will develop and the things that will become like. A sexual thing like down the line you know like yeah. foot fetishes or whatever you thank know thank like, god for who framed roger rabbit because you know jessica rabbit formed my sexual thing <laughs> you yeah. know what i'm saying you know i gotta start a little bit of comedy there that was like what was going through my mind like i'm trying to think like when i was that age like what was i seeing and it was like oh yeah jessica rabbit so god but bless whoever know, created that show he the one thing that was like shocking to me like when i when i'm like piecing it together and i've got my board you know up like trying to connect all the dots like he let that the child survivor he let her go, mm-hmm. and I'm dismissing all the things like you know she was a child so she thought like if it seemed I know in the documentary she says like it seemed like he was he didn't want to do it, which children always empathize even with abusers so mm-hmm. I kind of dismissed that but the fact that the the facts of him you know um, doing these horrible things and then when she said she had to go to the restroom and then taking her every time. Uh-huh. And then letting her go too is so out of like his like profile. Yeah. That's like I think that does take it back to the whole thing of the so like obviously I don't I don't know if they ever say like he was sexually abused. Was he sexually abused? Did we know that for a fact? I, I didn't see anything about it, but like that I tr- that was like a thought in my mind. Like I can see that being. I'm sure. I don't want to speculate, but I'm pretty sure he would talk about that. Though he seemed like a he seemed pretty like textbook narcissist, and he would narcissists wouldn't discuss that. That's like oh, like weakness, you know. Definitely, yeah. The fact that he always wanted to have the upper hand and control over situations and conversations and that whole thing, like I, it's and like the fact that he was going up against like seven year old women and like still like very aggressively like destroying like their body like borderline decapitating and raping their bodies like and some of them were like you know severely disabled like bedridden too as well like that's weird that to me is just kind of like he did not care like it was i think at that point these people don't look like him but maybe that child reminded him too much of himself and the it was like a hispanic young child and maybe that was too close to home and where i'm just saying oh that's line yeah, like that's a little too close to my own self. I totally get that. It could have reminded him of someone in his childhood. Like, you know, could have been a million things. She could have said one word that actually tugged at whatever humanity he had left. Or, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think if it was like a satanic thing, I think if I was a hardcore whatever it is that I am, it doesn't matter. To yeah. me, that eliminates the whole satanic he's doing it for Satan. Because if you're doing it for – if your coach tells you to do something, you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of call bullshit. I mean, I called bullshit on that. That That's lot. like, I'm glad you bring it up because that's like where I starts to ping pong in my mind because that, that girl that I was talking about earlier with the tire iron, he, he stopped short of killing her because I guess like the, the phone cord that like he was like trying to strangle her with, like it sparked a little bit. And he says like, 
you know, in one of his interviews, he says like, oh, like it was Jesus Christ coming to intervene. And he goes, I knew I couldn't fuck with Jesus at that point. Like Satan wasn't strong enough to, you know, overcome the power of Jesus. And I was like, well, that is a super strange thing to say. If you're a Satanist and you believe that, you know, Satan is more powerful than, you know, your adversary at that point. And that's why he like jumps out the window and leaves because that not because he hears like dad or anybody like come to the rescue or the cops down the street or anything like that. It's just because it's like, oh, like Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean that to me that that's more like the mental illness part of it. Like a lot of these things seem to be like mental triggers to him. Mm-hmm. Like anytime that it's like an older authority figure, it doesn't matter if they're handicapped. It doesn't matter if they're 80 years old. It doesn't matter. Like they're an older authority figure. I need to be able to dominate these figures. I, I, I think maybe he saw a little bit of himself. Like there were little things like that. Like, it seemed my, like my, there was three profiles, like not to cut you off. Like there was like the older people. Then there was a lot of Asians, which goes back to, you know, the, the uncle Miguel who kills his wife right in front of him. Right. I wanted to point, point that out as well too. And, but then there's also like young children, boys and girls or whatever. So you get like those three profiles right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean the whole mental trigger thing, my grandma was schizophrenic and like one of the, like the things that would always bother her is if she heard a plane, like she would freak out, like she hated hearing planes. But that was more of like a mental trigger to her. I mean, like to 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 like analyze someone. Obviously, they're not in the room, and we're not like therapists and like all these things. Like it's yeah. so complicated. But like those things happen. Like like there are like certain sounds or like certain things that you know your mind has already like built up these like like pre preconceived notions that like this i can't do that because like this one thing will like you know yeah. like that's my sign to like get the fuck out of here also yeah. he had some kind of military training where i'm sure he was like these crimes could only take this long before i need to get the fuck out of here before like yeah. somebody hears a scream or something so i think there was also some of that in play as well so i don't know just saying like yeah no, he went totally a long time without that. getting caught no it's totally true i agree smells sounds all kinds of stuff you're right Saying, I mean, super interesting guy though. Like the person itself. I was talking to Jacob before he showed up, and one of the the quotes that I I've always found super interesting that he said was the I don't have the exact quote here, but it's like killing is killing what is done for profit, money or fun. I don't know. That's kind of yeah, redundant, yeah. but it's like essentially that. And that's one of those things that like although the dude was like off his rocker, and I'm not trying to like agree with anything he's saying. I do think that as a society, we trick ourselves into believing that some murders are righteous murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I join, and this is my personal thing, you guys don't need to agree with me on this, but I do think like, you know, people that like join the military at 17, like we're willing to send like young boys over to like uh, foreign countries to kill, to protect oil fields, to protect whatever we call freedom at that time period. And we, we like, in my opinion, we like brainwash kids into like doing these like atrocities sometimes. And we call it in the name of freedom. We call it in the name of progress. But the reality is like, we're okay with that. We're okay with this form of murder, but not okay with like Richard Rodriguez's form of murder. What, Cause he's just doing it for fun. He's just doing it for the fucking kicks of it. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's, I'm okay with what he's saying. I'm just saying, these are my personal thoughts and opinions. A point. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, Charles Manson, essentially the, like, you know, the brainwasher, you know, we, we did an episode on Charles Manson and like the whole thing about Charles Manson, he never committed any murders, but everyone that followed him committed the murders. Uh, was it, uh, John Jones or James Jones that do that had like the Kool-Aid that poisoned the Kool-Aid. Oh, um, uh, Jim Jones, Jim Jones. Yeah. John Jones is a UFC fighter. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> the guy, you know, like all but, the people, like he didn't actually kill anyone, 
but all the fucking people like he had a much higher body count than like than Richard Rod or Richard Ramirez. Ramirez. Um, and it's just like you know people that are willing to follow these like these like personalities that are willing to like storm the Capitol yeah. for, for whatever it may be. Like <laughs> yeah. they are no better in my opinion. Like or no more mentally like sound or like no more like anything else than Richard Ramirez was in my opinion. I mean, yes, Richard Ramirez was like fucking off his rocker and like was like coked out and mm-hmm. like not okay to be around like a functioning society. But I do think that, you know, we, we demonize him a lot more than, than we should because as a society, we're like right there with him. Mm-hmm. We're closer to him than we liked ourselves to believe that we are. Our justification is a little bit different. I think you've touched on something really important, Mark. Like a lot of these, if you kind of study timelines of when some of these serial killers have like evolved and you work backwards, I think you get a lot of effects, like the, the, the side effects, if you will, of war. You think of someone that goes away to, to do these very difficult, many times horrific things. And like you said, in the name of the things that everyone wants to believe in, right, which is country, family, God, you know, and there's still that, that um, inner struggle, you know, even feeling like, oh, I'm a hero and I come back. There's still always an inner struggle. I haven't met very many people myself that don't have it. They might not talk about it, but they have it. And then... You say, okay, well, that person's ruined, but the next generation will be fine. It's not true. It's really no. not true. We've, we've seen it throughout history. And and I think that I'm not giving this jerk any excuses. Richard Ramirez is a terrible, you know, horrible person. But, I mean, you know, you can't measure the effect. Even if we had him here, it'd be really hard to measure because he, he might not tell us all the things that he went through. Um, and I think that's... Those are the things that are, are, if you don't have that data, it's hard to make that point. And so people will just dismiss it. And I think that that might have been, you know, part of what happened I think, with his beginnings, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it does feel a little bit like a cycle. Like, yeah. this is like, you know, like the American Sniper movie. Did you guys ever watch that movie? Yeah. So, like, eventually the dude is, like, killed by some guy that's struggling with PTSD. Like... You know, we, those are even as something as simple, and it shouldn't even be that taboo because we're all like everyone that's like on both sides of the aisle, like the Blue Lives Matters crew, and like I support the troops that everyone's like down to like suck the the D of patriotism. But as soon as it comes to like things like PTSD and things like that, like they don't give a fuck. No one wants to talk about it. It's scary. It's it's depressing to talk about PTSD. It's scary to talk about mental illnesses. Like because, like Yadira said, it's a side effect of warfare. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And during the the Vietnam War, like during that whole era, like you know, we that's like where you get a lot of serial killers. Like not, not only because you have people coming back from overseas, you know that you know, we're not providing adequate health care, you know, mental health care for them as well. But not only that, but like, this is like the first time you're seeing like war on television being broadcast on primetime yeah. TV, which and is, you gotta, this is the first time you had like, a, I mean, World War One, they used some gases and then World War Two there wasn't as much. I've read that. Mm-hmm. Then, and I'm not gonna, I'm a military expert by any means, but I have a friend who's ex-military and we talk about history, but you saw a lot of those gases come back that affect the central nervous system that create brain damage that no one was looking for because it's just the gas. It's not like yeah. it hits you in the head. And so I, you're right. The media, then the technology together, I mean. Cre- creates a, 
a, a soup plantation, if and then, you will. And then, like, okay, so that's television at that time period. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> if you listen to our Patreon, you'll get that joke. It, it was pretty good. Um, so, like, television at this time period was like it would end at like midnight, and it would be back tomorrow at eight a.m. Yeah, like. So, yeah. And even then, it was just like you know, for the most part, it was not the the nighttime news all the time. It was like news from like six to seven tonight, and that was it. This is your like one hour of violence on TV. The reality is now it's like you turn on your phone, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, like you see everything. Like you see the storm of the Capitol. You see this is what's going on overseas. This explosion happened over here. If you want one percent more of violence. You can just Google that shit if you want now. Like it is at our fingertips. Like we are like I, I think as a society as being okay with like the level of violence that we're allowing into our homes, into our like phone, into our television is like mm-hmm. we are like breeding some Richard Ramirez's out there like right now as we speak. And they might not be serial killers. We talked about the smiley face killers and how it's really difficult to like even point out if these are like one person or multiple people, a gang of serial killers that are like team up, which is like ridiculous. That would be like next level shit. That's like a gang of serial killers. Like the Hillside Strangler, Richard Ramirez, Charles Manson, they all are in a fucking private chat. Like, yeah, like, oh. which is, you know that that's going on somewhere. Like, yeah. that is going on. Like, the dark web, like, exists for like weird shit. Like, the whole like cannibal cookbook kind of thing. Like, people, like, that is a real thing. Like, there are real cannibals in, did he, did Richard Ramirez? He didn't do any cannibalism. Not that I saw. The worst thing I saw is like I think it was the Zazara murders. Um, I don't know if we're ever gonna like go down the list of like all the murders, but I know like the the woman. Um, that yeah, I mean he shoots but, it. He shoots the guy in the head, and then like he ties up the girl and like you know ransacks the house or whatever, and like she somehow get, escapes, finds a shotgun under the bed, and she attempts to shoot him, and there's no bullets in the shotgun. And, like, it pisses him off, so, like, he murders her. Rapes her and murders her, of course, but then, like, you know, takes out the eyeballs. We oh, don't and he puts him in that in that jewelry, jewelry box. box. But yeah. we don't know what he did with it after that. Yeah. I mean, that was just that the That was vehicle. more of a silver near. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we did that dark web episode, and, like, you know, like, that's the reality of where we are as a society. Like, you can yeah. police so much, but the reality is that it's at our fingertips. Like, yeah. you know, like if you really want to go down these roads, like they are there. There are dark avenues on the internet that are just as dark as like any like, like <laughs> filthy, you know, place on Union Avenue right now. Like, yeah, that's true. Um, one thing though, I mean, the, the other side of the coin, I agree with you, and not to say that I don't agree with you, but the other side of the coin of that is, is like maybe we're desensitizing our stuff ourselves to this. And I'll use the analogy of like, one of the document this documentary I saw like years ago about like people in uh, Alaska and like these barren lands, they have really bad hearing because, you know, when they shoot something with their guns that, you know, for when they hunt for their food, you know, the seals or whatnot, like there's the, the place is so quiet that that sudden shock of that sound wave damages the eardrum way more than somebody like living in like a, a noise polluted place like New York or LA where it's just like they're constantly, their ears are already adjusted to like this noise level. So like if they heard like a gunshot, which they did like in the eighties and stuff, it's not damaging as much. And I heard like that analogy being applied to like violence in the media. And, you know, I grew up in the era of like Mortal Kombat and shit, right? Like I, like my grandma, God bless her, rest in peace. She bought me Mortal Kombat when that game came out. Yeah. yeah. And I remember playing it and, um, you know, some of my friends' moms like were like, oh, I don't allow my son to play that, you know, because I don't want him growing up to be Richard Ramirez. 
Um, this Mormon kid, my mom, you know, used to babysit that, you know, went to the daycare the same age as me. He started crying when he like found out that like I was playing. He was like, I don't want Jacob to grow up to be like a serial killer and shit. And then like, I look back now and it was like, wow, some of these kids who didn't play those games, like growing up, you know, they, they done some really shady shit. And like, I'm like the worst thing I ever done was like, you know, walk across someone's lawn. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I I think that it's not so much, you know, the, the trash TV, like Jerry Springer, like I grew up watching Jerry Springer and Daria and like, that was my afternoon after school. Yeah. You were, you were having affairs and shit. Yeah. Like (laughs) that's my whole thing. Like, that's not what I, you know, like B was in butthead and things like that. Like mortal Kombat. Like I had that in my life. The reality is that I didn't go out seeking for more. Like I didn't, and uh, it's probably because I'm like probably mentally enough okay. <laughs> like, but there's people that are not mentally right. enough okay, and that's the that's the line. I'm not saying like if you give kids moral combat, they're gonna become serial killers. I'm saying like that. You know, that's you know that's parenting. Whatever. I'm not a father, so I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. But at the at the time, it's like well, I, do I, am, think, I still don't know what the I, fuck. I do think that it's like. <laughs> I do think that if we like give your kid moral combat and you also like hit your hit hit your kid in the head and like abuse your kid, you probably are like putting the seeds to like something that might become very bad down the line. Which I agree with. Yeah, like my I remember my mom like when she you know said that like hey like when like those parents would say you let your son play that I was like she would always say she would always accompany that with like well I know he's not stupid enough to go out there and rip somebody's heart out like Kano like or my you know, mom would say too like she's not stupid enough and if she is she's gonna have to the judge is gonna have to like pry her out of my hands because I'm gonna have my first go at her if she's that stupid like my right. mom would say I'm gonna whoop your ass first and if you survive that then you're gonna you know <laughs> so it was one of those you know like oh my god I'm not no I'm not gonna do that like correct yeah, yeah. Sure. reverse psychology kind of thing yeah whereas <laughs> But Whereas, like, there. they yeah. knew where I was. Like, I just want Sebastian Maniscalco. I love his stand up. Oh, and yeah. Say, yeah. He's saying he's talking about like um, shootings in schools. And he's like, how? How do the parents never know? Like, and he's, you know, he screams. He's really good about like, go in their room, like check their room. My mom would come through and like, I was 12 and like, get out, mom. And she was like, oh, okay door taken off and I was like ooh I mean, every, you know every little thing it was like no there's always going to be a consequence to your actions to your yeah. behavior and you can't take them back there's no rewind in life mm-hmm. so it was always like an instant like she was there and I knew I even at school she worked in the schools and I didn't know I'd be like it's my mom you know <laughs> I can't make any like weed jokes even though I haven't smoked you know it was like she might be around and I knew yeah. there was a consequence and if you look back on a lot of these guys, they're often like the ones that kind of were active in the 60s or 70s, divorced parents at the time when it was new, single mom working, you know, to just kind of get by. Either they got bullied for it or, you know, they were sexually abused by a neighbor or somebody because mom wasn't around or dad wasn't around. It's yeah. always that's the kind of same pattern for the most part. That's why it shakes us when we have a criminal who had like a perfect life. Mm-hmm. right because it's like that's unheard of we need to blame it on on satanism we need to blame it on something but it's like perfect life it's like we don't really know the like i know jacob probably better than i know most people i i know out there but there are things like you know there's like the fucking like 30 40 hours or whatever like a week that i don't know what jacob's doing like you know it could be like googling some weird shit like <laughs> same thing and vice versa like there's like 
things like that we would call like yeah that's a pretty perfect life and if you check out my instagram it looks like i'm living a really great life that small window to your <laughs> yeah side. and it's yeah, like yeah. there you go like that is a really good life there but the reality is like everyone struggles everyone has these dark moments and i always tell jacob like like dealing with anxiety and depression like the dark moments aren't when we're doing this podcast it isn't when like i'm really at work it's it's really whenever like i'm alone in my own thoughts and i'm alone in these like weird moments like that's the part that like people with anxiety and depression and those anxiety and depression are very like mild things that are like whatever but like you take that and i have someone with like maybe a super narcissistic complex you know and like that's the person that wouldn't even like acknowledge that they have these issues like that like the fact that they're like that they're probably they're like to fester yeah like yeah. you know every issue in their in their mind is like someone else's problem like i didn't get the promotion because this guy's a fucking kiss ass or something like not because of me like it's it's like those are the types of things like remember when we did the um but that guy at my job is a kiss ass so i just want to point that out okay <laughs> no but do you remember when we did I that that episode the christmas episode about the dude that like killed his whole family oh the santa claus guy yeah santa claus guy and like yeah he would like look up to see how much his co-workers are making like, yeah, 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 yeah. so like to me those are the red flags that you look at like the dude was like sounded like he was mentally stable like the dude was like making like a six figure a year salary like he had a nice home he had like everything you would want in like a regular home like wife kids everything like then that didn't work out then he married again and then everything was cool again and like but for the most part the dude was just like in his own head like the 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 reality is like we should have been seeing these like red flags like hr department maybe his parents like whatever it may be like the doctor like whatever it, it takes like first grade teacher i hate putting so much pressure on teachers because i feel like teachers already got so much shit to deal with but yeah. like maybe like have like a teacher's aide that's also like a specialty specialty like psychologist kind of thing like checking for weird bruises on kids like hey that kid shouldn't have a bruise that far up his thigh like or whatever it may be like that whole thing like we need to do more as a society to just like prevent these things and like prevent the next like richard ramirez you fucking globalist that's called socialism oh i'm very much (laughs) you know and like the latino community we're all familiar with that that's not something and i'm sure my family's not gonna be stoked about this but like realizing oh that was anxiety when i was a kid right i was having a panic attack not just my stomach hurt or you know but then being in like my mid-20s and being like okay I was officially diagnosed with like anxiety and PTSD Mm -hmm. um, from emotional abuse or, you know, whatever, you know, this abuse. And it was like, oh, here we go. I'm like, no, this is like a real thing. You got, oh, it's drama. And it's like, no, this is like a real thing. I'm sure you guys probably have something going on too. That's never been addressed your generation within our culture, but it's this stigma, no matter how much exposure and I know it takes time, but it just seems it's like it's like people were seeing it now with COVID, like until it happens to you, yeah, right, you're not going to believe it. And I think that that's the problem with a lot of mental health issues. That's what I've seen. It's yeah. like now my niece has cancer. She's started getting anxiety from a lot of the medications and, you know, obviously just the scariness of being 12 years old with cancer. Aye. And then it was like, oh, anxiety is real. Because, of course, you can't tell a little 12-year-old going through cancer, like, that's not real. But, like, our generation was told that. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it takes a while. I'm super grateful for having nieces. I think they're changing not only the world, but my family. Because 
you can't say no to these kids. And they're like, hey, look, it changed. Yeah. And, you know, older generations are like, shit. <laughs> oh, that's great, Miha. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they've taught my dad to use his iPod. Like, she was like four years old. She's sitting showing grandpa. And now he's like, he doesn't think it's the devil, you know? And, <laughs> and I yeah. think we have to get there with mental health. But it's like, it seems like maybe not only like American culture, but then within American culture, you know, there are other subcultures, Bakersfield culture, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard. I think the more you talk about it and put it out there, not only talk about the Richard Ramirez's, but um, like his child victim, how she's like, I'm not going to go on and do all these things. Yeah. Like her best revenge has been living her life, her living her best life. Like yeah. she's like a mom, you know, and I'm sure mental health is on her radar at all times. Oh, correct. She yeah. Into positive. The silver, the, the silver lining to all that. Yeah. The only line, yeah. The only like positive you can find from it. So I, I mean, I really like that they focused on that in the documentary too, is I think everyone, they talked about everyone's suffering, how like when you commit a crime so heinous, it's just a ripple effect, man. Everyone's fucked up from it. Like the, the detectives, like you were saying, m- marriage issues, that girl, you know, all the family members that were affected by this. The survivor, was it Maria Hernandez? Mm-hmm. I mean think about that to be in that situation. And then, and then there's like the guilt, the survivor guilt. Why, why did he kill my roommate? And he just walked away from me. Yeah. That creates a whole other mental health issue. It's like, it's just kind of never ending until someone says, no, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that in 2021. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so I actually kind of, I like that about the, the documentary as well. I like that they did address the groupies. Like, oh, there, there were groupies. And they had that one super cool lady with, like, the heart glasses. And she's like, oh, I think yeah. you're a bunch of stupid bitches. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody has that aunt. Yeah. Like, it is weird, too. Like, and I guess that's an actual condition. And it's been a condition for centuries. Like, going back. I went down a whole fucking rabbit hole about it. Um, but like, you know, going back to like the Viking age, you know, where it's just like those were seen like the the people that like raped and pillaged and shit like that. You saw that like with, you know, the Genghis Khan era and shit like that. Like those are the people, those are the men that you want, you know, to Power. spread your seed with because it ex- exemplifies, you know, it's, we know what it's called now. It's called toxic max- ma- masculinity, but in some cultures, like that's, yeah. that's, that's the staple of what a man should be and shit. And so like, I think that's like the residue, like from like all of those like centuries of like certain people like feeling that and then it kind of trickles down into like you know generations in the future and shit you talked about like ripple effects and shit and i was like holy shit that is some deep ass shit some shit that happened like in mongolia or like you know the scandinavia or whatever like that's trickling down and he actually gets married to like this lady you know uh, doreen leoy who says like you know when they you know put him in the gas chamber and kill him like i'm gonna commit suicide as well it's just like Oh, yeah, that's very much, like, a part of, like, Japanese culture. Like, old, 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 like, Japanese culture and shit. Like, there is some remnants from that. It's just, like, wow. Like, it goes back to, like, that whole, like, I I don't know if you guys have ever heard about this. uh, It's not very much a theory. It's, like, kind of fact. But, like, that genetic, um, I forgot what the actual word of it is. But, um, like, where 
uh, like little chickens, like little baby chicks, like when they see like a hawk or anything fly over them, like they'll run for cover. Like they've never experienced, you know, you know, predation or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Like they just hatched out of the egg, like maybe a couple of days ago, but they know just instinctively, you know, to hide, you know, from anything flying overhead because it might gobble you up and shit. And it's just like, wow, that happens in us as well. That's how like the human eye, we see more shades of green than any other color. The reason why is because predators naturally hid in like green areas. So we were able to distinguish more shades of green just to like spot the enemy in the in the bushes. Oh wow. So like I mean, at the end of the day we're still monkeys, you know, we're still animals. We're still like that lizard brain. Yeah, we still have to like we still react to like to things the way like an animal would. And like you know, whether it be like that animal was a, like a dog. Like if you if you grew up hitting a dog and like you wanted to breed the meanest dog, you wouldn't pet him all day, you wouldn't treat him right. You would probably like tie him up and like hit the dog and like starve the dog, and all of a sudden you've created like the dog Monster. you would not want your kids to be around. Like, and that's the reality. It's like, you know, not you know because sometimes mental scars and that emotional scars are not visual. Like we don't look out for them. We just kind of assume that people are okay when we like walk by them in the streets. So I think as a mm-hmm. society, if we learn one thing, it's like from Richard Ramirez, like. The silver lining to me is like we need to do better as a society to like identify like identify it early like in childhood and mm-hmm. you know maybe that would be like step one to like solving down the line of course kids are getting more like radicalized and I don't mean like by Trump I mean by like <laughs> violence I mean like mass shootings are like on the rise correct yeah well we also I think we we condition people too without even knowing it even like the most forward thinkers or even if you're a psychologist or a teacher or whatever it is and people just assume like I, you know, I'm in education and people are like, you're so good with my kid. And I'm like, I got my days where I feel like interacting with kids on my days off. But <laughs> overall, I, overall, I think I just, um, like for me, it's like be the person you needed when you were, that's like my goal in life, you know, when you were a kid. And I think that's really important. Like we asked each other to like, Hey man, I haven't seen you. And like, Jacob, how long have you been, man? How's work? Which is such a bullshit question. Cause no one's actually going to be like, well, you know, like, and give you the truth. You just kind of live in the dream. Some dumb. <laughs> What's the point in that interaction? So, like, for me, I, I'm immediately turned off by bullshit, which tends to happen a lot with adult interaction, you know, like, just in passing. But with, like, my nieces, I, I try to be more, you know, when I see them, I'm like, you know, how does your heart feel today? Like, things that they understand or, like, um, did you have any dreams last night? What did you dream about? And like, you know, I just, I kind of ask them things that really talk to them, not at them. Yeah. I speak to them. I'll, I'll just kind of tell them like, tell me one, one thing that you're super happy about today and tell me one thing that makes you sad. And so now my niece is just like, will like FaceTime me when they're having an issue. Like one of them called and was like, I mean, sobbing. And I'm like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she's like, my mommy went to the store and left me with like an aunt of ours to babysit her. I'm like, okay, well, have fun with her. You never get to see her. And she's like, <laughs> it just makes me sad because I'm lonely. And I'm like, okay, cool. But you know, this will pass. And she's like, it's true. My mommy will be home. Then she wanted <laughs> to talk to my dog to really like their best friend. <laughs> yeah. But I think that if we focus more on, I know all of this is going to sound like super hippie stuff to some people. And I'm the first one to roll my eyes sometimes, but I have to break myself of that habit because it's like, Hey man, like the last time, you know, I saw you, like things were getting kind of real. Like you, you feeling all right. You doing okay. Like, you know, 
I don't know, something a little bit more real to kind of touch on that. And I think eventually people would start to, if we all did it at the same time, people would start to really kind of open up and self-identify because I mean, realistically, we can't have a therapist in every classroom, right? Yeah, no. But children You're right. will tell everything. Children will tell I uh, dude, I used to ask, like, okay, let's I wanted to know what families were like in the home and start there as a teacher. And so I'd say, today we're gonna draw a picture of our families. There are so many different kinds of families, and I talk about, you know, foster families and some people live with their grandparents and everything's beautiful. Draw a picture of your family. And sometimes kids would draw pictures like, what is that? Oh, my mommy and daddy drink wine every night. So they're drinking wine in the picture. <laughs> okay. Like, cool. Kids will tell you everything. Yeah. Everything. Because so it's I their think, personal truth. Yeah. But we don't have time because we're meeting standards. You got to take that test. And you got to score a certain amount because the school has to get that money. It's hard. It's a, a double-edged sword. There's not enough time to work on, you know, the actual um, the child. Yeah. Damn, that guy's super deep. Um, I'm sorry. Is that too no, much? No, no. Sorry. <laughs> no, actually, that's the direction I want this to go in. So that's, you know, I always focus on that. Like, I think that's my obsession. My parents were so worried about the serial killer thing. But growing up with that kind of person in my home, and and he wasn't. I don't know if he was a murderer. I don't know. He's in Mexico now. Who knows? But growing up with someone who was just completely unhinged like that, having to maneuver through a relationship like that in my life as a child. And now for me, I found purpose in like identifying those children maybe early, you know, and helping kind of uh, just helping them in general and also keeping them completely away. Because I was originally studying child and criminal psychology, but it got a little too dark for me. Yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go into education instead and see if I can help that way and teach kids how to just be free thinkers and make up, make good decisions and stay away from, you know, let's make fact-based decisions in life. Um, um, that's a lot. I'm sorry. I got no. too real. You stop making jokes. <laughs> no, that's why we invited you back. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, there's, I think in just like to not to put a bow on it, but you know, just like as a, like a thought that like this whole thing with the Richard Ramirez thing, like, um, you had mentioned like the before and the after and like the now or like, you know, the during and then the after, like to me, like as a society, we've done very little if nothing. I feel like almost nothing has changed. The, the problem has just evolved. That's really the only thing like locking your doors. Like, yeah, sure. Like, but that's been going on since like, you know, we talked about the uh, summer, the summer of Sam and like zodiac like this guy basically took the zodiac blueprint and like blew it up and like made it his own kind of thing like married ted bundy and and zodiac together and like those are his idols and he was and, a like, fan of all that yeah and he yeah. studied that shit i mean when you know frank salerno like caught him or whatever like he knew that like that was the detective that caught the hillside strangler yeah. and shit he knew that like in la like there was so many different jurisdictions that like it'd be you know if he tried i mean that was his thing like he went all all over la he even goes up to san francisco I even brought it up to you, you dare. I'm like, I'm surprised, like, maybe some of the cold cases here in Bakersfield That's weren't actually case. him. Yeah, you know? my dad was talking to him, and he was like, you know, he had to go through Bakersfield. And he's like, and we did have some missing person. I mean, some missing people during that time. Mm -hmm. But he was like, you know what I think? I think he really just stuck to, like, the bigger areas. And, and my dad did say in Bakersfield at that time, we were all so, like, 
everyone knew everyone. You knew yeah. a cousin, you knew a cousin, and we didn't want, Bakersfield's very much like Texas. Like, we don't want outsiders here, right? Like, it yeah. was very suspicious. And he was saying, like, I, I don't know that he would, I don't know that he would be able to do something like that here. Because a lot of serial killers take advantage of this disconnect in big cities. You know, that no one knows anyone. You're coming from a new start, a fresh start to the big yeah. city to get a new job or whatever it is. I know with like, um, you know, some of like some other serial killers in the homosexual community where things were underground, there was a lot of, you know, horrible things because there was no, there wasn't as strong of a support system. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty brilliant of my dad. He was just like, I don't think he would have been able to do anything here. Like, unless it was an outsider who just came to find work because mm-hmm. we all knew everyone and, you know, we looked out for each other. He's like, it's not that there wasn't racism, but overall it was still like, this is our town. And I asked my mom that too about like the whole like you know I mentioned you know the b- before during and after thing, you know we really saw like you know it really gets told that like you know after the Charles Manson murders like a lot of you know rich people you know they started investing like in security systems and you know fancy locks and shit on their doors like buying you know you know Belgian Malamutes or whatever to like guard their <laughs> houses and shit. And I asked her I was like about that narrative I was just like you grew up in L.A. you grew up you know some of your time in East LA, you know, like where a lot of this like happened and shit. And I was like, what was your perspective of like, you know, security? Cause the documentary kind of starts with like, yeah, people in LA just left their doors unlocked. And like, it was a good time. The traffic was like, and I brought that up to her and she was like, that might've been true. Like in Santa Monica and like those like nicer, like Hollywoodish areas or whatever. But like, and like the neighborhoods, you know, whatever, like that was like, she, she was born in 1960, the same year, you know, Richard Romero's was born in. She's like, no, that's always been a thing. Like you always like kept your head on a swivel. You always like locked your doors and shit. She was, that was more of a, like, I got status kind of thing because it was like, you know, LA was very segregated at that time. And so she brought up that point. She goes, you know, she moved away from LA because of that to Bakersfield, you know, well, she, had to run away from utah like as a teen and then she said instead of coming back to la she moved to bakersfield just because she was like yeah like i want to get away from all that craziness and she said during that time like in 85 like i'm a brand new baby boy or whatever she was like holy shit like you saw like that small town mentality where it's just like oh yeah like we keep our doors unlocked because like you were mentioning everybody knows everybody nothing's gonna happen or whatever and if it does like we'll all be there as a community to step in before that even happens she said, that's when you saw, like, on a mass level, like, okay, everybody needs to keep their head on the swivel. Like, no matter if you're in a small podunk town, like, fucking eight, 1985 Bakersfield or whatever, to where it's just like, yeah, like, you, you know, you know you're not real. safe anyway. Yeah, yeah, this is some yeah. real shit. Yeah. No, and, you know, my husband was born in 1987, and then I don't know if you guys remember his older brother, 1984. Edwin? So oh, they wait, were in Edwin. Kiko Rivera yeah. during this time, which is, like, where everything was happening, right? Uh-huh. And um, she she came over the other day, and I was just kind of like, hey, really quick, let me pick your brain. I'm sure I probably freaked her out, bless her. <laughs> um, but I was just like, well, what's up with the, the Night Stalker stuff? She was like, oh, man. She just kind of, like, it's almost like she just wanted to move on from it. Um, they're, like, they're not as dark as, like, my family. My mom and I are like, let's figure out why this guy's a psycho. But, um, you know, Chris's family's normal. And so <laughs> she was like, oh, that was really scary. And I was like, oh, yeah, you remember it? And she's like, of course. It was, like, all over the news. It was in our area. It was, you know, basically it's in their backyard. Mm-hmm. And this is a time when people could just show up and knock on your door, right? And you're like, oh, we got visitors. Like, on a Sunday, someone might come by and your mom might take out the fancy coffee cake that you've been waiting all week to eat. 
you know, you didn't have to call. And old ladies would sit, you know, she was saying too, the kids would play in the neighborhood. And like all the little viejitas, all the old ladies would sit on the doorsteps and watch them, you know, and just be home before the streetlights go on. And she was just like, it was just an instant like shock. And for her to have a little one-year-old at this time, you know, she was, she's just like, it was unlike anything that like, like it seems surreal the way she, she can really express it. And then she was just kind of like shook it off. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. Like, let's move on. He was already caught demon yeah. worship. Yeah. Let's move on. I was like, wow. The the thing I thought was amazing too, like you, any documentary you watch on it, the way he was caught, like speaking of, you know, like the the hood, right? Like the, you know, East LA and stuff like that. Like he gets caught, you know, in East LA by the neighborhood, right? You know, there he tries to rob a couple people of their cars, you know, shout out to that guy who had that red Mustang. Um, he like, you know, like everybody was just like, no, fuck that. Like they were people that were fighting back. They didn't not not all of them knew like that was the night stalker or whatever. They just knew like, Oh, there was some motherfucker trying to start some shit. And like the guy that like had like the like metal pipe or whatever, <laughs> like bust him on the head. Like he was acting because it was just like, Oh, he punched a lady because she wouldn't let his him wife. have the car. Yeah. His wife. Yeah. That's what it was. And he was like, I'm going to go get something and kill this guy. Cause he, he punched my wife. Yeah. And then like when they found out, like, you know, when those old ladies were saying like, you know, El Matador, you know, like that's the killer. You know, and they realized that everybody, like, out of the neighborhood started, like, you know, basically jumping him and shit. And they said, too, like, after, you know, the police took him away, like, they celebrated, like, you know, they had just won the World Series. And you see, like, those videos, like, that news footage like, from 85 of, like, you know, the whole neighborhood. It reminds me of, like, 88, like, when the Dodgers won the World Series. You know, you start to see, like, the whole neighborhood out, you know, like, pre-corona and shit, you know. You know, just celebrating, you know, just like when the Lakers won a championship every year. It's just like, you know, L.A. just, like, celebrates. And it was just, like, like that that relief of, like, okay, you know, temporary because, you know, other killers and shit, you know, would come out, you know, L.A. Yeah, and shit. Yeah. But, like, that relief of, like, the, the guy that we are living in fear of is finally gone. We are rid of that, this. That pride. And that, like, not necessarily, like, the power or anything, because you said, you know, there's always someone out there. But mm. it's, I think, that that story of good. We all need that, right? Like, we yeah. keep seeing all over with COVID. Here's a picture of a dog. So much depressing stuff. Yeah. Like, just having a win, I think, like that. Because everyone who grows up in the hood is struggling, knows a struggle, has probably known struggle for generations. Mm -hmm. And to have a win like that, is something to really like stop and like live in the now. And yeah. I think you saw that a lot of those interviews, people were just genuinely joyous. Like, you know, like it stops today. Like he's never going to do it again. Yeah. And it's, a, it's kind of amazing. I think. Yeah. I thought that was poetic. As it, shit. it was a pretty cool ending. I mean, when we covered it like way back in the day, like I, I didn't know that that's how like he had been caught. And then to see it in the documentary, like seeing the footage that they use and all that stuff. And like the police officer didn't even know who he was. He had to like look it up to see who he had just caught. He was basically just trying to get that guy out of there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, a, it is a like positive spin and like positive, like feel good ending. Not, I, I mean, not to, not to burst the bubble of the whole thing, but like I, I, just to keep going back to this whole thing of like that that monster has evolved like i remember like you said like people were like now like everyone's keeping their head on a swivel like i mean that's the reality like if you go to the mall now if you go to a movie theater now if you go anywhere like i went to a concert last october or two octobers ago with ben and like 
it was like at this big thing and like it was in downtown uh san diego and like right across the street there's all these like buildings like it's like downtown san diego where where the um the padres play and like i was telling him i was like dude like dude if there was a dude up there with the machine gun like he could get like to me that that's where like the evolution has come then it happened with our friend jesus you know he was at that country music festival in las vegas where you know the las vegas shooter was like you know doing that exact thing you that, know that's the reality there's always going to be the illusion of safety mm-hmm. and like the reality i'm a female i know for me, <laughs> for me it's not even necessarily just like a shooter yeah that pops into my head but there's like i had a really bad stalker in high school who to this day like it just turned into nothing it's just like a cold case situation because i i mean there were some serious really bad threats like i couldn't go to school for a while Eesh. my my parents had to have like some of my guy friends like rotated basically like or cousins constantly being around me like it was really bad there's a serious threat made like if i walked across the stage for graduation i mean it was like really bad and like nothing ever came from it like nobody figured anything out and just being a female too like i mean it just sucks because it's like hard for guys i'm sure some guys are probably like, i'm tired of hearing this but like there's just the reality that you're just trying to open your car door and i'm not so you guys know me I'm, I was somewhat intemperate in my youth and I'm still, I talk back, but like, even, you know, even me who like my mom taught me some self-defense growing up and everything, I might have a little leg up on maybe, you know, a, a smaller, more polite girl, but it's just scary. Like there's just so many things out there, you know, child abductions. If I'm taking my niece to Trader Joe's or something, it's yeah. I, and I think that's, there have been levels of the loss of innocence in our society, right? Like throughout the years. Yeah. I mean, I tell this guy all the time, like everyone's Jared Fogle until proven otherwise, (laughs) like the dude from the subway commercials. Yeah. Like to me, it's like, I don't know. Like to, to me, it's all like just an illusion of safety. I mean, just working in the auto industry, people like what people believe their car is safe. The reality is it's no, it fucking isn't like, trust me. The reason we're doing this recall is because people have died. And the only reason like there's like a safety extension to your warranty is because not enough people have died yet. And then we might do a recall if enough people die. Like to me, that's, that's the, what I, that's to me, that's the world I know. in, and maybe it's a paranoid world and I'm already like a paranoid person to begin with. But like, I just, I see it all as like an illusion of safety. I see like, I, I like, you know, going to a store, like I, I, to this day, like I still keep an eye on like where the exits are at movie theaters and where the exits are at all these things. Just cause like I am a paranoid person and I am like, I've never been much of a people person, but like mass shootings. And like, now that I have a niece and a nephew, like my my paranoia over their safety has like gone up like tenfold. Yeah. And like, I don't trust strangers. I, like, if they're going to the park with just my mom, like my mom is like not going to fight off a stranger. Like my mom could easily trip and fall kind of thing. You know, like mm-hmm. I always kind of just want to be around just to like, cause I don't trust people. Like I always think that it's, there's a healthy level of untrust that we should all have of like, mm-hmm. It, it trickles right back down to Richard Ramirez, that whole thing where it's just like, he knew that too, or it's just like, the first person he would kill in the house was the spouse or the boyfriend or the yeah. male figure in there, you know, like just one quick shot to the head. The guy, Peter Pan. I'd be shocked to know that the female is the psychopath in this house. Yeah. So <laughs> he'd come after me second and I'd be like, I've been waiting for you all my life. <laughs> <time." laughs> this is it, the final. <laughs> there you go. 
like defeating um, Bowser. Like I would just be like waiting for that. I would just I'd be like, man, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Did you say defeating always, Bowser? Yeah, it'd be like the final. Like I'm gonna do this. Like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it. But I just no. beat Super Mario World for the first time ever. I know they got, the game's been out for like 25 years now, but I finally beat it. So it was a big accomplishment this weekend for me. Yeah, There's so no was... rush on the process. Everyone gets there. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I so. didn't have a Super Nintendo growing up. So. Oh, okay. I didn't either. So, I mean, yeah. I had all that shit like after it was like popular to have and shit. Yeah. The Nintendo Switch has switched up my entire world. Oh, there you go. I'm going to beat all the Turtle games now. Oh, you got Turtles in Time? Uh, it's called the Manhattan Project, but now I mean I can download. I had it. the NES version. Of yeah, that so like I've only beaten the Turtle Ninja Turtles arcade game, so I've beaten that one. That one was super difficult. I I still remember when I beat that one. That one took me twenty two years. So like the next big monster is like the Turtles games, which I'm not that fan of. Yes, the Manhattan Project I think is amazing, but then the Ninja Gaiden games are like epically difficult games. So like those are still on my to do list. Bravo, Sorry, sir. I didn't mean to get too no, far off okay. topic. Um, I know you have this one more, like a couple more things like to wrap it up, though. You mentioned the groupies or whatever. Like, I, I, you know, me speaking, I like you watch, um, you see pictures of Richard Ramirez. He does not look the same from one picture to the next. Like every picture is a little bit different. Even like his final picture, like, oh, that looks like my dad's brother. Uh, you know? just looks like an old Mexican guy. Yeah, like, holy shit. It looks like Esqueleto from um, Nacho. Oh, Lee. yeah, he does a little yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. And uh-huh. then you see like that one picture where he's got all the jacked up teeth, and you see like that, you know, the Hell Satan one, like where he's got the pentagram. He looks different in there. With the glasses, the Ray Bans, which I don't know, did they sponsor him or what is that all Dude, about? He had like a Jim Morrison vibe at they the beginning of the trial. Him up hardcore for that. Yeah, like he, he looked like he was drumming for Motley Crue. He looked just he was like Tommy his Lee. Best life. Yeah, that was like his. Yeah, for sure, that would have been his dating profile picture. <laughs> for sure, Tinder. <laughs> that was the tinder phase of his life for sure so with all that i mean yeah he's i mean women in the during this time period and after this time period of like you see like they're very attractive like one of the people that follow this podcast one of their quotes in their bio is like see you in disneyland that famous quote where he says like you know you know death always came with the territory see you in disneyland or whatever i have like, that as my profile oh, really? talking about me no no it's a, like nine out of ten chick oh. that follows us on facebook anyways um there you being you know a woman like can you see the attraction to him like either physically or what like like because i to me i don't get it like i see that and i'm like look at that motherfucker i don't is it the bad boy thing like how does that attraction take place like i, I don't get it for me uh not so much he actually kind of physically looks a lot like my dad my dad he's from oh, the same okay. kind of area you know but like um I shouldn't say it looks like my dad, but like the long hair at the time, the style at the time, you know, was very much with the Ray-Bans. I think, I think it comes down to, and we keep coming back to society, right? And I'm not going to be like, it's society's fault. Because of course we always can make our own decisions. I'll mm-hmm. start there. If I'm a little girl and my parents get a divorce, daddy's probably going to go start a new family somewhere else. Right. And I'm staying with mom. And so I've got, I've got no one to really look up to and see, you know, I'm, I'm constantly wanting attention from my father. Probably there's going to be a huge portion of those girls that just are like, well, you know, I can fix him. Like I could have fixed my dad if I would have, if I would have been old enough or something. And so you get a lot of like, I can fix him. You still get a lot of that, you know, nowadays that's been a really common 
-hmm. Women can be empathetic. And so it's like, he's broken, but if he changed for me, that makes me special. So I can change him, right? There's, I think that's a lot of it. Like a project. Yeah, it's a project. And if you are, if you've been abused and he resembles your abuser in any way, there might be some Stockholm syndrome there, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're just like, but I kind of love him. I'm just kind of drawn to him. Mm -hmm. Or he's famous out of nowhere and that's going to make me somebody too. Or even like the confidence, like you see him in court and like, like I'd be scared shitless if I was like on trial for like 19 murders or whatever and shit. Covered in rosaries. I'd just be like, Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just like walking in, like he owns the place. Like he's talking shit to the judge or whatever. And like, we talked about it like on our very first episode with Trump where it's just like, it's like that confidence people are drawn to, like no matter how shitty he is as a person, like people are going to be like, Oh, he's confident. I'm following that. I like that. That's the only thing I could think of. was just like, Oh, girls are attracted to that confidence or whatever. Like so much. So to like one of the jurors that actually convicts him, like actually becomes like a love interest for him. I like, I didn't know that at all. Like until I started doing research on it and shit, like I thought that was super crazy. Like here you convicted this guy for 19 death sentences basically but like you're like they, she becomes like one of his like girlfriends that like visits him every year in prison like i was like that's fucking weird like well, how- there's the other thing too we like to ignore which i i would say i don't want to be crass but that's not true i'm always okay with being crass um <laughs> there's just a sexual attraction sometimes pheromones are pheromones and sometimes it's like i bet you he's a really good lay some weird because he's like really violent or he just he wants sex so bad he's going out and raping people will make the weirdest like connections you know what i mean and i'm sure some people just thought that too like hmm. i mean there's there's all kinds of stuff maybe they just want to get pregnant with his weird satan baby and that'll make me famous that's a that's a fast track to being famous wow um, yeah i think there's definitely like levels to it i don't think it's all like one like broad stroke i think that there's probably like the immature like groupies like i just want to be associated to this guy I think that's like level one and like, you know, like teenage bullshit kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then I do think that there is like full on like just like mentally unstable and maybe just want to like, you know, the next closest. Maybe, you know, people have weird kinks. Like, you know, if you're there's like rape fantasies out there, like there's like weird shit out there. Like, I don't know, maybe like Richard Ramirez is like the thing that your fantasy is. Like, there's weird things out there. I think that's the spectrum of what it is. Like, being immature and just wanting attention to like full on like I really want this like ultra violent like mm-hmm. thing you know like whatever maybe just sure. even something simple like just doing it to piss your parents off yeah like, maybe yeah, you don't actually like him you're just going and like oh my god I love him just to piss your parents off I don't that, I could... the bad boy Cause that was the second wave of like the <laughs> counterculture or whatever right like yeah. that you did see that so I mean yeah that might could be a good point glad you said all that because like it was like really like a question i kept asking myself all week i'm like what is like the like attraction to him like i get like the you know intrigue about like the cases and the murders or whatever you know but like the actual like you know sexualization of the person like that boggled my mind i think with like ted bundy it's a little bit more well everyone's like oh ted bundy's like the hottest serial killer but like i think that just that whole like he's the kind of guy you marry type of thing I could see it just by, you know, the fact that he was going to law school or like, I guess if you're checking things off of a list of like, at the time, what you would want to marry, 
um, you know, he just, because he seemed like such a normal guy. I don't think Richard Ramirez from like what I've read about him and like interviews and stuff, he was never really a normal guy. Like he didn't blend as well, I should say, as like Ted Bundy would. Like he was always kind of the outsider, which, you know, not saying that for any, any people who were like introverts, but like on a whole other level, like people were just like, he was a really weird kid. You know, he got bullied a lot too because of it. And um, my dad, I was talking to him about like, I was like, so did you know him? You lived in, <laughs> you lived in El Paso. I mean, he was born like two years after you. He's like, no, we don't know everyone. But my dad was from Segundo Barrio, which is like one of the, one of the hardest ghettos in, in yeah. the United States. And he was like, what school do you, what high school do you go to? And uh, I forgot what it's called, but I read it to him and he was like, oh no. He's like, no, we didn't, we weren't allowed to like hang out with kids. Like from there, he was like middle class. He's like, that was like a middle class school for sure. Oh, and okay. so, yeah, that was like totally, totally different. So there was a whole different like look to people and like even what was like attractive, right? At the time, it's like, even like high school for us, it's like, oh, that guy's wearing a Hurley shirt. <laughs> the Kuka oh, shells. Yeah, you don't want to date Rebellious. that guy. He's wearing a Kirkland brand t-shirt, but that guy's wearing a Hurley shirt, right? It's oh, like, shit. there's always levels of that with everything. And I think Ted Bundy was, I think he was like, all of it and he looked a little bit more normal but i wouldn't say i mean i can see pictures of men from the 60s and 70s and i'm like all right hot cha cha but to me like ted bundy wasn't <laughs> yeah wasn't a bee's knees for you yeah I, I don't think so i don't know i've seen his interviews too and maybe because i have more experience with bullshit i was like nah that's not gonna work for me and I guess guys, because I, I went down this rabbit hole too. I guess guys have like the whole Jody Arias thing too, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, actually, Jody Arias. I don't know. Oh well, maybe that might be another topic. Yeah, Jody Arias. Well, what's the guys. what's the girl that like killed her daughter and then like gave a tour of like of Universal Studios because she like oh. kept telling people that she worked there. Oh Universal oh Studios. Oh 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 fuck. Yeah, so she had like this huge con. Casey Anthony, right? Casey Anthony. She did a tour of Universal Studios. She shows what she she told people that she worked there, and she basically gave the detectives a tour, and then she's like, "Okay, I actually don't work here." Like, (laughs) like it was basically like she conned everybody to so much so that her lawyer fell in love with her and like did did all the representing for free at the end and like not for free, honey. Not for free. (laughs) She's free now. She's not even in jail. Like I mean, she she paid. She paid in other ways. Trust me, I'm sure. Oh yeah, it ain't for free. I can't. Oh, I get ass or grass. Nobody rides for free. Yeah, I mean, she's another one that guys kind of were like, but but no, Jodi Arias. She was like, she's the hottie in the murder world of like women, I guess. Yeah, I, she just reminds me of like those like cholas we went to like junior high school with. It was just like, oh, okay, you're gonna you're gonna step on my shoes. I, I don't like you. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and that's a, that's a real story too. The girl had it. some chola chick I had a crush on. Whatever. She stepped stepped on these Jordans my grandma bought me. So I was pissed. What was her first name? I'll know. Um, Diana. <laughs> I don't know if I remember that person. Uh, yeah, they. We later. were in gate class, Yudera. Like we're, these were like the, they were in the general ed classes. Okay. Oh, I got bullied for wearing Doc Martens, so. Yeah. I tried to keep, stick to the to the skaters, <laughs> and the kids that that drew pretend pentagrams on their on their backpacks. Oh, that's true, right? Yeah. Pretend pentagrams. Like, yeah, like, obviously, obviously, if you see some satanic stuff, you're gonna go home crying to your mom. So don't even lie. <laughs> they were right. 
yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, Richard Romero dies in prison so no, of lymphoma. And uh, he yeah, kind of... Yeah, that's crazy, right? kind of escapes like i guess true justice i don't know like you know maybe that's worse like a slow death to cancer than you know the gas chamber or lethal injection or whatever i don't know that's supposed to be more humane i don't know you know i don't know where people fall on that you know that tip but you know gil creo in that documentary says you know death is always coming for you and it doesn't care like how you know quick or painless it is It's, it's gonna come for you so i guess you know, God, God made his way for him there. So I don't mean, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I guess that's a good place to end it on. Homeboy mm. dies in jail to cancer. I think if God made him his way there, then God's going to make his way to everyone. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's whatever. You still have a lot of people trying to connect with him in the afterlife. That's like a thing too. I a lot don't of know why. Trying to, trying to conjure up like, and honestly, I'm like, you guys are not following the clues like why are you at this like like the what is it the the is it cecil or cecil hotel yeah cecil hotel yeah the cecil hotel people because he checked in there that's like a big place where people have tried to conjure him but i'm like clearly he said disneyland y'all aren't listening <laughs> i'm a big so, disneyland fan and like that's why i have that as my quote because it's like one i've always been like fascinated by like these like murders like i do find them fascinating yeah. so it's like the marriage between like the thing that like the two things that like bring a lot of joy to my life is like disney. really disney and like disney itself i think is just like is the ideal like fantasy world it's obviously not real um but it's it's just like this pretend land and then everything outside of that is like the reality and the violence of like richard ramirez it's it's kind of like that whole like marilyn manson or twiggy twiggy ramirez type type of thing where they take like the most like popular thing the Marilyn Monroe and the Charles Manson of the world and marry them together that's true that's to me like that quote with like embodies that where it's like like it's all Disneyland until <laughs> until you die so so if you were to do a seance or a Ouija board fucking meet up or whatever in Disneyland to try to conjure up fucking uh, Richard Ramirez where would you think you would you would do that at the Matterhorn it's the most violent of all rides <laughs> I'm trying to think. That is true, yeah, or Big Thunder I, just, I would probably go with, like, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, just because, yeah. like, Pirates is, like, it's dark the whole time, and it's, like, relatively uh-huh. calm after those first two drops. So you could just, like, chill. You could actually do the seance and, like, chill. And it smells so good. I love the smell of Pirates. Oh, yeah. It's got that restaurant there, that Blue Bayou. The Blue Bayou, yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, speaking of <laughs> it all circles back to food, guys. <laughs> So with that said, do you guys have anything else you want to add to the Richard Ramirez episode? God, I don't, I, I, I do, I will say like, you know, I know we've talked about like people's obsession with this and like, and idolizing and everything by no means. I just, there's just so much interest in this, you know, mental health issues. And I just think it's, I'm I'm grateful that you know it popped into my mind as a kid. Like, wait, this is this is weird. This isn't right. I remember too thinking like, who a Latino? Like, that's that's weird. You usually hear about a lot of white serial killers, and I remember that's that true. kind of stood out in my mind. And I wonder, I just wonder what the relationship is there. You know, um, are there are there more? But we don't really hear about them. You know, with just this was this was more in the media. Um, but I just think it's it's just kind of important, you know, to to talk about these things and, and put it out there. 
and and be critical thinkers. So don't be serial killers, kids. Find Please something don't. else. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point. Um, Everybody talk to your kids. Don't talk at them. Right. I would say sometimes you don't even need to talk at all. You can just listen to your kids. And, That's true. <laughs> and sometimes that goes a long way. Like sometimes you just need to. And the and the to quote Greg Popovich, one of the greatest quotable dudes, it's like leadership is knowing when to talk and when to shut up and and i was like that's yeah that's true sometimes like that's all you need to know is like when to talk and like when to shut up and listen i honestly thought you were gonna quote marilyn Manson right there where he talks- there's a very similar quote where it's like these kids didn't need someone to talk to them they needed someone to listen to them yeah which is that whole thing about like columbine shooting which is like the reality is like their parents probably weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were probably like saying like, you need Jesus and you need these things. And here's a bunch of things that you need to do. Mm-hmm. The reality is like, what do the parents need to do? And what do the parents need to listen to and do themselves and do interact with their actual kids? Like interacting with the kid isn't just like fucking like making them do shit. It's actually like, I, I talked to you like, to me, like um, the big thing that of, of like growing up in like a Mormon home isn't like, going to church on sunday it's having dinner together every night it's like to me that's the religious experience the conversation around a dinner table probably is the one thing that like saved me from like going down like darker roads and like and it's like it sounds so simple now it's like yeah we just fucking like ate tacos at a dinner table and like there was no tv on it was just us talking it was like the most like normal thing we could have done but at the same time like it it like really really like helped me as a develop like and actually like tune into my actual like emotions or whatever and not just shutting them out and like pretending that emotions aren't like real or whatever. It was, it was very helpful to me. Like, me too. I, I agree. That's funny. I've said that a million times and I had so many friends always wanting to come over for dinner at my house. And I realized now it's because they didn't have that and they wanted a little piece of it. And like me having my grandfather growing up in the home, I think, and be a part of those conversations to see the, the multi like generational similarities differences and and like you said like the different levels of who listens to me grandparents versus parents working two or three jobs you know not not always having the time and now as an adult I'm like oh man that could have been that could have been bad (laughs) that could have been really bad um because like I went through an angry phase like a lot of people but I didn't end up a serial killer you know so there's something to be said about that for sure Oh yeah, so family dinner, talk with you. You're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone. (laughs) I acknowledge your feelings. It's true. (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) I mean, it's something like so super simple, but I think it does go a long way. I think you just gotta be able to like know know when to talk and when to shut up. So it's a little thing, and like I think that like even now, like. You know, I'm 34 years old. I'm, I'm learning lessons that I probably should have learned at 30 or 24 or something like that. Like, I mean, that's the reality of life that, like, this podcast is kind of, like, kind of lets you point the finger at yourself and, like, let you, like, self-analyze a little bit and be like, I should probably work at those things and, like, probably do that a little bit better. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not that different than this. <laughs> then Richard, Richard I would hope you. I would hope you're a little, just a little bit different. Okay, let's. Just, I mean, not him, but I, mean, I don't know what you're all. doing. There's been other cases where I'm like, yeah, I relate to that way too much. How dare you? I'd never be caught dead in a members-only jacket. Okay, uh, so or some avias. We like those fucking oh. shoes. 
Like, I thought that was amazing, too. That, like, those were, like, the only... Sh- he must have been, like, a bad sneakerhead because those black avias, there was only one pair of those shoes sold in Los Angeles. And you go online, you try to look for them or whatever, and I did find one picture of them. They're the ugliest motherfucking shoes ever. Yeah. They're worse than, like, those Reebok shoes that, like, old ladies wear. Those, like, Velcro, like, Reebok, like, yeah, shoes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh my sure. Yeah, no, they were pretty bad. So I, I, I can't relate. I'm sorry. I don't think I'm anything... I don't think I'm anything like him. Not necessarily like him, but I think as like we've done more and more stories. You know what though? Like that, like being tied to a cross thing. Like I kind of well, like did that when we did when we did the um, what's that dude? The the Unabomber. The Unabomber was one of the scariest topics we've ever covered, just because I was like, damn, this dude was right about a lot of shit. <laughs> like <laughs> technology is the devil. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that manifesto, right? <laughs> Besides all that racist shit, I was like, he's kind of scary. He's kind of right about a lot of things. <laughs> As Art pulls out a red MAGA hat. <laughs> <laughs> Which I got to say, MAGA, that shit fucking, like, that was invented by Ronald Reagan. Like, fucking, I was, speaking of that, like, crack documentary I was watching, like, there's like a, him accepting, like, the Republican, like, nomination or whatever. He's all there. And, we gotta make America great again. I'm like, fuck Trump, because he stole that from Reagan. Yeah, that's crazy. Another thing to hate. Ronald Reagan is a true double. Yeah, he's the grandfather of all this bullshit. Anyways, Yadira, thank you for once again coming on and blessing us with another 10 out of 10 classic episode. Um, again, I don't know if I said this on the Patreon or at the beginning of this episode, but hopefully this. Uh, in, a, in a selfish way I hope this can um, turn into a spinoff podcast where you you know cover true crime topics or something on your own or whatever or you just become our true crime you know person we go to every time we we, we cover Jody Arias or some shit like that so thank yeah. you for once again um, bring back that crazy bitch and you guys will be like <laughs> we know who you're talking about <laughs> got you fam <laughs> she's Look. teaching our children don't worry guys I'm not in the classroom anymore I'm in administration. Your children will be fine. <laughs> I'd send my son to you. <laughs> Thanks. Yay. I'll just rock him to sleep and be like, Jody Arias is not as cute as you think, honey. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to come back at any time. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. You guys are brilliant. And might not feel that way because you're humble. I know that. But you guys are hilarious. You're you're sensitive to serious topics. And I think that you're you're really diving into these difficult topics and actually making it kind of fun to talk about. So well, thank you, thank you. you. We appreciate it. Yeah, we just need five thousand more people to think that now. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> so speaking I, of that, <laughs> promise to try to share your. I'll get on Facebook more often and share, 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 share. Hell you, Dara. Um, so with that said, everybody, make sure you check out all of our stuff on all the social medias under Art and Jacob Do America, at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter, we are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Uh, make sure you go to our Patreon where you'll, where you'll hear, you know, bonus episodes every week. We have we did a bonus episode with Yadera, basically, where we talk about Papa O's and lamppost pizza and all sorts of fun, you know, shenanigans like that. Uh, so go there, you know, subscribe, donate a dollar, donate five dollars fucking i don't care 35 you know whatever we want to do 
doesn't matter. Get you a free episode and, you know, merch in the mail. I'll be sending out stickers and all sorts of fun, cool shit, El Yucateco stuff that they send me. If Caveman Coffee ever sends us stuff again, like I'll send some of that shit out too as well. Uh, go to our Tee Public website. Just search for Art and Jacob to America where you'll find all of our merchandise there. We got three designs up there and I'm still working on the Alex Jones fucking one. I, that's fucking the bane of my existence right now. But go there, support us on all the things. And with that said, Art, do you have anything else? Oh, wait, before I, before I let you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's up? Make sure you go to the Podbelly Network. We're official members of the Podbelly Network. Where you can check out other great podcasts, such as our sisters from the oh, We're Not man. Sure Yet podcast, who rest in peace, will have their final episode February 12th. That hit me right there in the left ventricle. The Podbelly Network got a little less talented. Uh, I hate to say it that way, but it's true. Like They are such a good podcast. Mm-hmm. I am legitimately like saddened by their... By their... Uh, by them dissolving their podcast retiring if you will but they said they are still willing to do episodes with us so we'll have oh, them right back on. on so uh they'll dust off the old microphones and whatnot for us so god bless y'all for doing the lord's work on that uh, but with that said you can still check out other great podcasts that are still in service <laughs> past february 12th such as the world famous sofa king podcast my homie eddie his podcast the rrbg podcast as well as, you know, Hillbilly Horror Stories, uh, Paranormal Punchers, um, and Nerds on Topic. So, um, with that said, Art, do you have anything else going to go over? Um, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, guys, uh, tell your mommy boo too. <laughs> um, shout out to, uh, we're not sure yet. I, I hope they uh, eventually come back, Like, and this is more of a hiatus and it is a farewell. Um, shout out to my friend Micah. I don't know if you remember Micah, girl Micah, not boy Micah. Okay, yeah. Um, she's kind of she just had a baby, and she's also like uh, had like cancer removed. So like we're hoping for the best for her. So like a lot of cancer yeah. references this yeah. episode, man. So hoping I hope she fully recovers. But just let, let her know that little thoughts and prayers or whatever. I'm not a religious person, but like whatever the prayers equivalent is, positive energy. So. Maybe on the count of three, we end this episode with saying fuck cancer. Sure. Okay. I don't cuss, but all right. Not sure. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. On three. Three, two, one, or one, two. <laughs> I know. When you, when you jumped at three, I was like, what the fuck yeah, is that? Fuck you. One, two, three. Fuck, fuck cancer. Oh, I was early. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> you will all never, right, ever be in the Backstreet Boys with that bad timing. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Yudera. Great episode. We killed it. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> when I said everybody, have a good day. Big deal. That's always went with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. Like this, then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.